We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It is 8.08 in the Twin Cities. Esme Murphy here for another hour with our studio coordinator, Brendan Berger. I want to thank studio coordinator, Jonathan Lowe, who just left the building. And it's time now for one of my favorite guests. Professor David Schultz of Hamlin University. How are you? Whoops. Uh, are you there, Professor Schultz? Hear me? Yes, I can. Um, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. How are you doing? Good. I was going to say, we haven't spoken on Saturday night for a couple of weeks. Huh? I know, I know, I know. And it's, uh, once again, an awful lot to talk about. Let's just get right to the headline here. Really, the, the s- startling news uh, that Al Franken, Senator Al Franken, accused of sexual misconduct accused of groping and kissing a woman in a 2006 USO tour uh, without her consent. Uh, Your reaction to this? Boy, there's lots of different reactions to this in terms of how we approach it. You know, know, one of them is, as I've been trying to talk to my students about this for the last few days, is Franken, and and we're going to talk about Roy Moore also, raise some larger questions regarding how do we sort of evaluate the conduct of our public officials, especially in the case here for Franken, and we'll stay with it for now, where the conduct involves something that took place several years ago before one was in office. And and it becomes a really complex question of what we do, but I... but. I'll tell you in terms of what the, my sense is of the public reaction um, is that um, he's going to face either enormous pressures to step down or, in many ways, his political career is ended or the DFL and the Democrats can no longer use him as a fundraiser and as an attack dog against Donald Trump. But in either way, his, his career, political career, has dramatically changed in a, in a 24-hour period. Right. Um, I, I think the number three scenario that you mentioned, his ability to go and and raise money, and and I'm not sure the degree to which uh, people realize this. He had a Midwest, he has a pack called the Midwest Values Pack, uh, and he really has been, um, over the course of a number of years, really one of the preeminent uh, and most important fundraisers for Democratic candidates all over the country. In fact, he was supposed to be in Florida this weekend headlining uh, a fundraiser for Senator Bill Nelson. I mean, Senator Franken was a superstar when it comes to doing this, and I don't see how he can do that um, anymore. Yeah. Um, he he's also toxic. He's toxic now when you think about it because, uh, I mean, who, who wants to have him – um, at their at their headline fundraiser at this point, and he was not just a fundraiser, but he was also when you think about it, he was again the attack dog also on one level, and he was also well, and that I want to get to that as yeah. well because I think that's something that that puts him in a difficult position because he has been right the number one um, uh, person in all these hearings that have really just gone after. Um, the, the, the Republican, um, whether it's the nominees, certainly right. Attorney General Jeff Sessions, his failure to remember certain details, what Senator Franken did say uh, in his apology, um, you know, was that he did not remember the details of the kiss, the forced kiss, the way Leanne Tweeden did, which is something that, you know, he's 
going after sessions for, for faulty okay. memory. I'm not 100% sure. I don't think his political career is over. I think it has changed dramatically. Right. And I do think that there is, and we can get into this, I do think that there's a dramatic difference between what he is accused of yeah. and what uh, Moore is. Roy Moore, the candidate in Alabama, who won the um, primary a few weeks ago, was facing a, a, an election here in just, well, a few weeks, there have been multiple women that have come forward and said that uh, Moore approached them when they were, in one case, I believe it was a 14-year-old, <laughs> which is obviously, that's a child. Um, right. uh, so that is different. Uh, even a 16-year-old, in my view, is that's off limits uh, to somebody who's an adult as is a 17-year-old. But there are multiple women that right. have come forward against Roy Moore. Um, in this case, with, with Senator Franken, and I, I got to admit, I, I was really shocked when I first heard the allegation and saw that picture. And then when the woman, Leanne Tweeden, made her statement, first of all, I thought she was extremely credible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I thought she did. Um, she just, uh, you know, believed what she was saying. Right, right. Um, I do think, you know, one of the things that I think is really difficult is that if you have uh, – if something occurs and it is contrary to what the narrative is of who you are as a political figure, mm-hmm. I think that is – can be very difficult. And the narrative that Senator Franklin has put forward is that he is a champion for women. Exactly. And then this comes forward you, – you got a little bit of I – mean, that, that creates a problem just as it does when you have somebody who's extremely conservative and, and espouses family values and has had – you know, four affairs. Exactly. exactly. Um, yeah, no, what you're, what you're working towards here, and this is what, what I wanted to sort of you know, get out when I was talking with my students here, is that we're in a period right now uh, where we seem to not be making sort of, you know, I'm going to call it moral distinctions or gradations of, of culpability um, among different types of actions that are occurring that involve sexual harassment, sexual assault, uh, let's say inappropriate sexual um, comments and so forth, then the case of Roy Moore, assuming um, everything that's alleged against him is, 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 is accurate, we're looking at criminal sexual assault um, against minors by multiple individuals, um, which, is, which is very, very serious, you know, versus... Al Franken, we may be looking at something that, perhaps, just in this one instance here, that might at worst be um, perhaps, uh, I was going to say, some type of civil civil assault, um, um, or as, as little as, or as, or as, or as um, I'm gonna, when I say, I don't mean to diminish it, but that could be the worst, or it could be um, miscommunication, it could be offensive action. I mean, it's in different areas. I don't know how to categorize it, but, but we seem to be at a point right now, and again, talking to my students about this was just kind of interesting, is that they think there's no distinction between Franken, um, Moore, and think that the solution for all of it is is what? The person's unfit for office. And okay. So I mean, these are the kids that you're teaching, so they don't see a distinction between the allegations involving Moore. Nope, they don't at all. Um, and also we're saying that, is there a difference between the fact that, you know, now I brought in 
um, the state legislature, we have allegations you know, against Tony Cornish, Dan Schoen, and I said, is there a difference between um, allegations that arise out of official duties that are, that are present versus conduct that took place um, um, before one took office? And again, not seeing those distinctions. And I think they're important because... So they, they, your students don't see the distinction. My freshman students don't see that. See, um, and I, well, I think Roy Moore, I think that, that the allegations of, of inappropriate, and I'm not sure if it, is it assault against Moore or, or is it just, you know, constantly sort of going after or asking young women, harassing them, uh, and young women, that girls, you know, yeah. kids. Um, uh, he was, I believe, a district attorney at the time. He right. had He was a public figure. Right. Certainly Al Franken was a public figure. He was... In the not, entertainment, not, not a public official, not a public official in the entertainment business. I will say though, if you read his book, which I have gone over and read the book, he does say that that USO tour occurred. It was in December of two thousand six, and he said it was Thanksgiving of two thousand six when he decided, in other words, a couple of weeks before that he was going to run and he was going to make it public. You know, in January of two thousand seven, so he'd already decided to run. Right. You know, so. The, the judgment here, not very good, obviously. Right, right, right. But still, I'm getting back to the point is that I'm not sure right now, I'm, I'm, and, again, and my students I think are part of it, but I think right now, you know, more are expanding it. We seem to have, at least in, the, in a lot of sort of the pop culture or the media or the accounts right now, and this is also the case in terms of how, let us say, um, Donald Trump is trying to depict it, and the partisans are depicting it, is that there's no difference between what Franken did versus what Moore did versus what, let's say, a Schoen versus a Cornish did. And I think there's significant differences across all of them um, that we need to understand in terms of what they're being accused of, what they did, um, and, and perhaps what is the appropriate remedy for, for addressing their behavior. And, and, that's, and that's the sort of the subtlety that I think has been missed, you know, in right. sort of this sort of big, big sort of discussion on it that we need to distinguish among what they've done. Right. Um, yeah, we did a quick break. Um, when we come back with Professor Schultz, you know, we'll, we'll talk about yeah. the way Senator Franken has handled this uh, in terms of an apology, yeah. then a more full apology, then uh, the way perhaps you know, uh, other things he might do. The way his uh, accuser has responded, um, the way a bunch of female staffers have responded, but we'll weigh that against some of these other cases. And eventually, I'd like to get sort of to the bigger discussion of like how can this all be going on? It, it's beyond me um, at, at so many levels. But let's take a quick break. Uh, more with Professor David Schultz after this on News Radio eight three zero WCCO. It is eight twenty two. Esme Murphy along with Professor David Schultz. Uh, we are talking about the allegations of uh, sexual misconduct against Senator Al Franken. Um, I guess my question to you is: Is I mean, some people say Senator Franken's career is over. I when this first broke, I was kind of thinking this is possibly. It it, it 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 is over. There are some things though that have happened in the aftermath um, that I personally think indicate that it's not over. One, he doesn't have to. He's not up for re-election until twenty twenty. <laughs> um, the other um, is that he did uh, apologize. apologize. The accuser accepted the pol- apology. Uh, that's another thing. She's accepted it several times. I guess he wrote her personally. Um, 
I do think it helped that a, a, a number of staffers, eight female staffers, signed a letter saying that they had never um, been treated in any way but professionally by him. Um, I got another follow-up letter from one of his top staff, former top staffers, Alexandra Fedosov, elaborating on that. And uh, these women worked with him for a long time. And I think perhaps the most important thing of all, no one else has come forward. Right. And, and I think that's, I think had there, and obviously this is only, what are we in? About day four, day they, three. You know, I, I mean, I, I think had other people come forward with that, certainly if they come forward with, with that kind of allegation while he was a senator, I think you're out. Um but uh, that that's sort of my feeling is that that's that and I, I not that you get a buy for being in the ent- entertainment business and maybe maybe that's part of the larger problem here is that the standards in the entertainment business, which certainly are a reflection of our social values and and you know put information or conduct out there that's deemed acceptable, maybe that's what has to change. But I, I think that's a variable too. That that's just my thought. Um, I, I do think he survives this. W- what are your thoughts? Well, I mean, what's difficult to figure out right now is we got sort of I think two trends going on, and 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 again as I've been talking, I've given a couple of talks to my classes and to a couple of community groups about this in the last few days. You know, we clearly know all about Donald Trump, the comments he made about women, the statements and that, and I need not repeat them here. We're not going to do that on the station anyhow. And um, he was elected president. He was elected president of the United States with, with incredibly coarse descriptions about, about women. And, and, then, and now he's bashing Franken. Frank Franken. And then we have Har- you know, Harvey Weinstein. And what I haven't figured out yet is if Trump basically started a a, a process that goes to Weinstein that is now sort of culminating in terms of transforming the way we think about um, politics, um, sexual harassment, um, women in politics, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one theory. The second is that we're looking at cross-purposes going on, that we have a segment of our society that will tolerate what, what Trump is saying and doing and the approach to women. At the same time, we have a reaction to it in a post-Harvey Weinstein world, of which now um, people like, like um, Al Franken and others are being caught up in. And I don't know which of those two trends is, 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 or which two directions we're looking at here. Are we looking at things going in opposite directions, or are we looking at a freight train going in one direction? And if we're looking at a freight train going in one direction at this point, um, it's hard to figure out, you know, where this is going to lead. I, and when I say his career is over, um, if, if nobody else comes forward, I, I certainly think mentioning him as a presidential candidate is done. It's done, and and whether or not he runs again in, for a third term, that's where I think. But it's that's good. still that's still a long way it's, off, it's, though. It's a long way off, but I'm all, and and again, um, it's it's possible that he could. There's a lot of, a lot of ground that could be covered, but I suspect that he would face um, challenges for the DFL nomination in 2020 um, in ways that he might not have faced before. But, but we're, again, we're, again, this is all speculation. We don't know. Um, it's going to take, I think you're correct, it's going to take um, a second person coming forward um, for it potentially to, to push him to the point where he has to step down from office. Um, I, again, and we're all speculating on this stuff, but clearly the dimensions of his career have changed. Like we said before, one of the brains, and gosh, so so quick, so he, I was say, shockingly just, fast. Yeah, pardon me. 
so shockingly fast. So I shockingly mean, it's fast, just... you're right. And like I said, at this point, we can say that, that his demand um, as a speaker, as a fundraiser, um, is at least for now over. Again, his ability to be able to be the, the point guard or the attack dog on Trump is probably significantly muted. And I also think that the Democrats with Al Franken lost some of that high moral ground that they could use against Donald Trump um, um, in terms of going into 2018 election. So a lot has changed. Again, whether or not he his his own personal career in terms of let's say a third term or so forth are are in danger. Um, that's left to be yet to be seen. But there's no question that his that his um, his political career has taken a dramatic turn um, in the last. 7296 hours. Right. I, I also want to hear, I mean, the statements, I mean, the first statement was, you know, sort of seemed like it was um, sort of written by a staffer. Then the, the, the additional statements that came out really did appear to be heartfelt. Uh, and certainly, I think the most important thing is Leanne Tweeden, the woman who's accusing him, said she felt it was heartfelt and, and accepted his apology. I, I also really want to hear him, mm-hmm. you know, see him. Talk about this and and, and explain this. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I think there had been some some issues in the past that certainly surfaced in two thousand eight, where he had told a, a ridiculously poor, bad joke about Leslie Stahl. That's right. That's right. Um, and there was a sort of a pornographic article he'd written for Playboy, Playboy in two thousand. That was less offensive to me than the joke about Leslie Stahl. I mean, he defended both of those things, which were issues in the two thousand eight mm-hmm. campaign, in this book. Uh, his latest book, which is a huge bestseller, both that joke and the um, that article, as saying, you know, hey, I was just doing my job as as a comedian and, and a writer. Um, I, I do think he survives this. I do think. I, I do think, depending on the way the next few days play out, depending on the way the kinds of statements he makes, the kinds of. Um, you know, he's going to have to ask. He's going to have to face the media at some point. Right. And he, I think he needs to do it sooner rather than later. I, I agree. Um, I agree. I, I think people want to see that. Right, right. But what we're also getting here, and I know we're probably getting close to a break at some point. But but when he said he didn't recollect the facts or he didn't recollect, you know, you know, you know what was happening in terms, at least the way um, that that Tweeden did. This also speaks to, I think, something really fundamental in terms of sort of male and female perceptions regarding um, certain types of action statements and so forth. And I think this is part of fundamentally what's going on in terms of rethinking um, relationships, let's say, in politics or how we view politics, that men and women do have different, oftentimes do have different perceptions. Um, And for a lot of women who are in politics, they were putting up with for many, many years a, a, let's say, a male-driven definition of how politics should be be organized and how um, women should be treated. All right. All right. Well, listen, we do have to take a break. Well, let's expound on that because um, certainly the, the kinds of behavior that's going on at the Minnesota legislature that's been described, really uh, appalling. Um, so let, let's talk more about this. We're going to take a break. We're going to give you some weather. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 8.35 in the Twin Cities, a brisk 23 degrees, Esme Murphy and Professor David Schultz discussing uh, the sexual harassment scandals that are emerging just uh, almost on a daily basis. Um, 
What you know, I, I'm curious about sort of the feedback from your students because it sounds like you know they're saying everybody should resign, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that's it. They 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 paint it with one sort of broad brush here as all inappropriate behavior. Yeah, let me sort of tell you an interesting story. I have you know my a lot of my students um, want to do internships, and for many many years, Al Franken has been a pretty desirable internship, as is Amy Klobuchar. You know, to be able to intern with a senator is very good. And as one student I was talking to on Friday, and she was we were talking about internships during advising. And she said that she had her application in to Al Franken's office for an internship. She had put it in. I knew she did. And I said, are you still interested? And she said, no, I'm calling his office back to tell him to withdraw my name from the internship. And this is her quote. She said, "Um, I would not want his name on my resume going forward. Um, And so my students are are very, very harsh on it. Now, when I talk to them, again, they got... And and, you know something, and I don't mean to cut you off, but there's a a bill he was, you know, to help rape victims. Yes. and, And that woman, as asked that her name be taken or that he not be the sponsor of the bill and now she's senator klobuchar is going to do it but but that's i mean that's that 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 story that you just said is one that uh, you know senator franken's gonna have to work very very hard you know to to, to even begin to regain the trust of somebody like your student because that's um that that i think that's very telling that is very significant. And again, I mentioned to you on Friday the pushback I got from my students. Again, it went, and I get, and my students are very good at Hamlet. You know, when they tried to, when I tried to sort of say again that there are distinctions here between the different types of behavior, and and one of them, I think there are. I agree I, with I, you. I agree. And one of them just looked at me and said, "Well, that's your generation looking at it." They said, <laughs> "Our generation um, sees all this as inappropriate, and people shouldn't be in office if they do this kind of stuff." And, and this is what makes me wonder again. I, and I don't know how much I can generalize. Is that is that there could very well be a generational divide here? There could very well be a different bottom line emerging. You know, and one of my students was telling a f- interesting story. He said, "Do you remember the sh- the show?" Was it on HBO Mad Men? I said, yeah, it was a pretty good show. And he said, well, that show talked all about what it was like in the early 60s and how women put up with all kinds of, um, I'll, I'll clean up the language, all kinds of stuff um, um, you know, back then. I said, yeah. And he says, well, um, those times have changed and there's a generational shift out there. And, and I just thought it was just... Well, I would like to have thought those times have changed, but that was 50 years ago. That's you right. know, and, and, and that's what... Uh, is so unbelievable that's to right, me that's right. that, that, that this is going on at the legislature exactly. to the degree that it is, that, that people think that this is acceptable. Right, and that's the point my students were making, is they're saying that that now they said, uh, my students were saying, male and female, were saying this is just unacceptable now that, that your generation and the generation before that put up with that, and we're not going to put up with it, and it's just wrong. And, and again, they were pretty dogmatic in terms of saying that something like this, whether it's even what they said about what Al Franken, they said that renders that person unfit for office. Now, no, that's not me. That's not me saying it. That's my students saying that, and I think that's that's really pretty significant in terms of what it means, you know. And then I said, well, then what do we do about about Donald Trump? Um, and they said, well, he shouldn't be in office either. You know that 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 is uh, certainly their perspective, and and it's it's you know. Um, it's, it's really, really an interesting point here. I, let's, let's talk about the legislature here, because those allegations also very serious. And it looks like they just had no sexual harassment training at all. And, and technically, they're not, um, you know, if that kind of conduct was documented at, at WCCO Television, which is owned by CBS, we go through very rigorous harassment training, um, 
at least once a year. You know, we sit right. down for videos. You got to take a test at the end of it. Um, w- legally, what can be done? And 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 uh, you know, these are elected officials, so you have to wait till the next election. I mean, what what? What happens? Are you surprised that there isn't any sexual harassment training? And Senator Klobuchar just redid a bill where in the U.S. Congress, if somebody accused somebody of sexual harassment, the victim would have to go through counseling. Uh, you know, and, and now that's being changed too. But I'm, I'm just stunned that this is all so antiquated. Well, it is. I was going to say this is about 30 to 40 years, I'd say 30 years behind where many of us are in the private and nonprofit sectors in terms of the fact that I go through, you know, you know. Annual, I bet you do. Is, is, I, I go through it, especially in a school setting. And I was going to say, I do a lot of training um, for, for local and local governments and for, let's say, even at the state level in Minnesota. The civil servants, the rank-and-file people, go through this kind of training. They go through the sexual harassment training, you know, and so they're going through it. The people who aren't going through it are what? Are whom? The elected officials. And and I used to, I always joke when I do training, like at the local government level, and say, I would love to get some of the elected officials into some of my classes to talk about these issues. And I have friends who specialize in, and do sexual harassment training, and they say the same thing, that they never see the elected officials in any of any of this stuff. And so, so that's the first thing, is that and this is a broader discussion in terms of what kind of training or transition do we do have you know, for our elected officials at the state and federal level, and we will find out that it's a lot less than we people think. It's, it's, it's very minimal. But, but, so that's, that's the first thing. They're not going through this training. Two, um, I think what we're looking at at the state level is also something that's, that's kind of interesting and kind of like a loophole here. You know, think in terms of... of um, um, you know, let's say, for example, the allegation that Representative um, Cornish um, was propositioning and did a variety of things to a lobbyist. Well, she's she's not an employee of, of, of the legislature. So on one level, it's not workplace sexual harassment, um, but nonetheless, it's still harassment if all the, if all the facts are allegedly be true. And, and part of what we need to be thinking about also is how harassment isn't isn't just or sexual harassment isn't just a workplace situation, but it could um, or in terms of employer employee or coworker et cetera et cetera, but it could be something even broader, and that's what's also being missed in some of this debate too. Is that is that um, yes, there's allegations of harassing other legislators, harassing staff, but shouldn't it also extend to, for example, when when a lobbyist shows up, or or as I said to somebody, you know, what if you're now female um, and you're thinking about approaching one of your legislators? Um, are you maybe going to be fearful of the fact, as a female constituent, you know, and just a regular voter, that if you're going to show up there, someone's going to hit on you or something like that? I mean, this is part of a broader sort of culture, you know, that that um, that, that really needs to sort of be be rethought. Um, at, at, you know, across our society, but clearly in terms of what our elected officials consider to be, or what, or what should be considered in terms of acceptable behavior among our elected officials. Well, you know, one of the things in terms of the sexual harassment training that we go through um, uh, is that if you report something to a manager and say, this is happening, I'm worried about it, or if a manager knows about this and the conduct continues, that ups the liability oh, for the does. corporation. It, it, does that fit into the legislative scenario where you have Kurt Dowd, um, I'm sorry, uh, Kurt Zellers, the former House Speaker, 
saying that he received complaints about Tony Cornish back in like 2012, that he did talk to Cornish and warn them that there were no additional complaints, but that obviously people knew about this or, or that people went to, um, you know, people in leadership to complain about it and, and sort of nothing, it, it continued. Is there liability there or is it different because it's the legislature? No, no, it's, it's the same. Okay. As some of the listeners might know, I'm also a law professor, and I actually teach some of this stuff, too, so, so I can speak about this. So the answer is yes, is that if your employer, including the legislature, um, is, is aware of your conduct and they take appropriate action to prevent you from doing something, um, the liability um, will, will not extend to like the employer or to the legislature. The emphasis is upon appropriate action. You know, if they do nothing, um, if they're lackadaisical, you know, then once they've been put on notice, Notice, notice that you're doing something, um, then they become um, responsible for your behavior. So, for example, if it's a one-time thing, um, and let's say you know Zellers had said said to uh, said to Cornish, which apparently he did, if, if all the facts are true, knock it off, don't do it again, and everything is done. Okay, we're fine at that point. Or but but now the fact that the legislature is it's, under- according to Zellers, it never came up again while he was there. That's right. But somewhere out there, there should have been. Guess what? Some kind of personnel file, some kind of record somewhere. Because I will certainly say that if somebody at CCO or somebody at Hamlin um, had had something like that happen, it's in their it's in their HR file, um, and 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 some kind of warning is given to them to say, um, don't do this again. You've been put on notice, and it's not just to make sure it doesn't happen again, but the institution will want to put that in the file so that they are protected. So when someone says, well. What did you do when so-and-so did such-and-such? We could say, well, we called that person in. We told them not to do it again, et cetera, et cetera, like that. You know, so I don't want to quite say... I don't want to quite say employers get maybe a free pass on the first one if they've right. taken appropriate action. But if they've taken appropriate action, warning some kind of discipline on the first one, um, and they'll be somewhat immune from broader liability um, so long as that action they took initially was appropriate. And then if it happens a second time, you know, then at, usually at that point, they have to take something, you know, you know, you know, much more serious, you know, and, and for most places, that would be what? Probably dismissal. Now, in the case here, just, you know, the state legislature, both the House and the Senate, are given authority under the Minnesota Constitution um, to be able to um, determine the fitness and qualifications of their members. And, and, and the rule is for, in the House and the Senate that they can take appropriate disciplinary action if a person engages in action unbecoming of a representative or senator or brings disrepute to the body. So they can eventually go into doing hearings, um, and, and, and if they determine that, let's say, Cornish or Schoen or somebody else, if they've acted inappropriately, brought, brought disrepute to the body, they can go anywhere from, you know, from doing nothing up to, um, let's say, um, censure, up to also including what? Removal of them from office. All right. Listen, uh, we do have to take a break. Uh, right now it is 846 certified McCarthy Cadillacs now up to 40% off MSRP. Shop McCarthyAuto.com. That's McCarthyAuto.com. We'll be back with more of David Schultz after this for some closing thoughts. You're listening to News Radio 830 WCCO. It is 8.50. Esme Murphy along with Professor David Schultz. Some closing thoughts here. Um, what happens next here? Um, obviously, the legislature is bringing in outside investigators, which it sounds like they need. Um, wouldn't you agree on that? I would think so. They seem um, 
somewhat incapable right now of being able to sort of, you know, police themselves, although ultimately the legislature is going to have to make some decisions disciplinary-wise um, unless one of those two individuals, you know, who is being investigated now um, resigns. But there may be a broader issue here also just in terms of, 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 of what may be other allegations. But ultimately, the Senate and the House are supposed to be the judges of their own behavior, and they're going to have to make decisions on, on how to move forward. Right. Um, and, of course, we should say that um, Representative Cornish and Senator Schoen um, are denying these allegations. Right. And um, – I think that that's why, going back to Al Franken, I, I think the fact that he is acknowledging them and acknowledging wrongdoing, mm-hmm. I think I think puts him in a better situation. Right, right, because he's ta- you know in this case he's sort of accepting responsibility for his behavior, and and from a political point of view, we seem to be as a society more willing to accept people who acknowledge their wrong, um, accept responsibility, and move forward, and. And I don't want to sort of accuse him of sort of taking a political approach to this, but, because he may be very well sincere in what he's doing, but politically it's also a very smart move in terms of what he's doing. Right. Because And so I do think that that separates it out. I, you know, going back to one of the things you were saying earlier, I, you know, I actually think that it was the Weinstein articles that came out in early October. I think the first New York Times article was because I was actually looking this up October 5th, and then the New Yorker came out five days later. I think it's. I think the Weinstein story was is the watershed, and I think that that really uh, the fact that that first New York Times article mentioned by name very high profile, um, uh, you know, Ashley Judd, Rose McGowan. I think that's the watershed. I think that's where it all stems from. I, it, it's a fascinating thing to try and think. And I was talking about this in the newsroom the other day. What if all of this had happened before? The, the 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 2016 election, which of course is impossible, and I, I wonder if if he would have survived it. But I, I do think that that's changed it is, it is the, changed. the dialogue. It has changed the dialogue. But notice what's interesting here. Also, it is the powerful it is the powerful women in 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 Hollywood that are able to challenge him after years of where in many situations they were not. And one of the things, again, talking with my students in the last week about it, I said the issue isn't right now regarding the ability of powerful women to be able to challenge. It's the ability of what? The relatively anonymous women to be able to achieve justice and fair treatment. And, and, and that's what I think is really critical here is that you know, we can have you know, powerful legislators, powerful female actresses and so forth, and they're in somewhat of positions to be able to do what to articulate their concerns and be able to do something, you know, we're, um, and, and and that's good. But what we're lo- still looking at is when's it going to be possible for, let us say, the woman who is working as the as the as the night maid at a hotel or something like that, for her to be able to now um, feel that she's empowered enough to be able to make complaints. And we're still a long way from that yet. Right, I, and I think I think that is a very good point, although. I think what was so powerful in that in the Weinstein story is despite these women's extraordinary success the power balance was completely in his hands especially in the, those younger points in their career and I, I think that's 
I think was the compelling storyline that I think has led to, to more and more people coming forward. Well, it's clear that this story is not going away anytime soon. Right. And, um, and, it's, and, it's, and, and I think we're expecting um, more incidents and more accounts to come out, and not necessarily against Al Franken, but I think we're looking at a story um, that really is going to, I think, have major implications, not just in terms of the, how politics is organized in Hollywood, but now think in terms of how our, this may not play out in the 2018 elections, as if there weren't enough other variables already affecting the 2018 elections. Right, and, and I think that that will also continue. Also, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Alabama, yes. um, that election here, uh, I think December 12th. Right, and right now the Democrats got about, a, depending on the polls, about a seven to eight point lead. Um, that's pretty dramatic to see. In Alabama. Alabama, to see a Democrat potentially win. All right, absolutely. All right, well, listen, Professor David Schultz, thank you so much for uh, trying to wade through all of this stuff and, and try and make sense of it. Uh, we always appreciate it. Uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Actually, next uh, Saturday, I am taking the evening off um, for the Thanksgiving weekend, but um, talk to you in a couple of weeks. Perfect. Talk to you soon. Okay, absolutely. The one and only Professor David Schultz. Please check out his blog, Schultz's Take. Always great. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Uh, I want to thank the uh, producer of this uh, show, uh, Brendan Josephson. I also want to thank Brendan Berger, our studio coordinator. And also, I mean, David Josephson, excuse me, <laughs> too many Brendans. Uh, and also, I uh, want to thank um, both our studio coordinators this evening. A great job. Keep it here, News Radio 830. WCCO, you are listening to the one and only WCCO. Oh, and I'm sorry. Uh, I thought we had the out cue here. Um, we do not. Uh, please tune in to WCCO Sunday morning. Uh, we will. Uh, have on, uh, as I said, two guests, uh, two legislators, uh, Representative, um, Representative May Quaid, Representative Halverson, uh, both of whom, uh, have made accusations of sexual harassment, uh, against fellow legislators. We will see what they have to say. Also, it's going to be great to have, uh, the one and only mayor elect of St. Paul, uh, Melvin Carter III. Uh, he is a young guy and it's going to be interesting to hear from him. And interesting to hear what he has to say about the future of St. Paul. So please tune in to WCCO TV Sunday morning, 6 a.m., 10:30 a.m. tomorrow. Keep it right here, News Radio 830. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend it here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.